And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. It's easy to keep track now that we're into Season 2. Yeah, we can deal with these little numbers. We've been gone for a while. Um, I got lost. They just couldn't find me. <laughs> it happens every it once happens in a every while. now and then. You know, they find me wandering yeah. Yeah. somewhere, bring me back home. That's why. Where do you live? Yeah. I don't know. I, that's why I haven't shaved in a while. And we're, we're glad <clears throat> we found you. Yeah. Well, I'm- yeah, uh, you're, you're looking like rustic. Am I? Thank yeah. You. Thank like you very particularly. much. Particularly. Yeah. Wasn't really going for that. I just haven't had time to really, you know, I haven't had time to do self-care. <laughs> okay. So, that's what they're calling it, right? That's what, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I'm uh, your beta host, Jeremy Boyd. I'm Alex Klusterman. We got a special guest uh, this afternoon. I mean, I've been here enough times that I'm not as special. It's kind of wore off at this point, perhaps. <laughs> well, the, the, just, the, the novelty is gone. Yeah. That, that's all I had going for me, and now it's gone. It's not a term about novelty. It's just... <laughs> A description oh, like, of you. Oh, okay. You're yeah, a special like, guy. Like a character trait. It's a special, special. privilege to have you with us. All yeah. Right. Well, share, I'm glad to, to be share here. your deep wisdom. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, that proverb, uh, those proverbs I read were speaking about wisdom. Yeah. And uh, Ben's got lots of it. So we're looking forward to that tonight. Hidden, hidden wisdom. It's buried way <clears throat> down in there. Well, we're going to get to it. We're going to dig it out. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Yeah, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah, where have you been for the last three weeks? Um, yeah, we just had the some pastoral concerns and some trials in the congregation. People were dealing with uh, health-related issues, and we just wanted to pivot and obviously make a priority of those things and mm-hmm. shepherding the flock. And um, yeah, by God's grace, I think he's really answered the prayers of his people. He's he's helping these congregants, and uh, they're moving in a good direction. And <clears throat> so, yeah, this is that's been where our energy and attention has been given, rightly so. Yeah, and um, had a great time this morning with a brother, with one of the brothers, and and yeah, God's definitely helping them, sustaining them, providing for them. Um, <clears throat> So we give him thanks. I wanted to, just to comment on that. It's 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 somewhat disturbing to me. Um, we've been seeing kind of the multiplying of so-called discernment podcasts. Um, you know, they're described in various ways, but they seem to be uh, individuals who perceive themselves to be uh, possessed with kind of unnatural wisdom and insight into the goings on of evangelicalism, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're there to set the the record straight. And often it comes across as as not strangling a bit. Um, but one thing I've noticed is, I mean, maybe they are deeply involved in the local church, but it, it doesn't seem to me that that is kind of. Uh, 
inherent to a lot of those podcasts. Yeah, the, yeah. the life of the local church. Yeah, and I and I think the only way you you can be so free and quick in condemning, yeah, brothers um, who may not agree with you. I'm not talking about going after heretics. I mean, that's a, that could be a valid endeavor, but um, the only way you could go after brothers with kind of the viciousness that I've seen sometimes is if you're you are not really involved in a sacrificial way, in a meaningful way in the yeah. local church. Yeah. yeah, you need to you need to be equipped to fight. It's not sufficient for you to realize that for, there's a recovery of a need to defend the faith and to defend the the sheep and for men to pick up their role as defenders mm-hmm. and people who fight and who engage in conflict. Um <clears throat> The, you know, in our culture, the egalitarian push is to deny those inherent, not only qualities, but responsibilities of men. But the Bible does talk about not um, envying the man of violence. And men not only have to use their strength, but they have to use it towards a good end and in the right way. And I think when you get guys who are all of a sudden really excited to be in the fight, but who haven't spent years preparing for it through the means of grace that God gives, you have a dangerous comment. And you add to that the immediacy of social media. Yeah, so yeah. the the unres- like the ability to say what's on your mind immediately yeah. to everyone, it's a really bad combination. And, and the celebrityism that has been infiltrating, um, especially evangelicalism oh of course um, yeah you know if 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 it's not shared a certain number of times yeah. and a certain p- number of people don't say it then it's not really worth yeah it's kind of like ministry only takes place on a public yes social yeah. media level yeah there's a reason why soldiers go through boot camp like you need to be broken down to, in in ways they in order to be a safe person to carry a gun mm. right you can't just say like oh we need anyone who shows up will give you a rifle and tell you where to point it no you need to there's things that need to die in someone before they can carry that weight and to what you're saying that happens in the context of god-ordained relationships mm. marriage parenting this is why this is why paul is very clear that an elder should be someone who's proven himself faithful in the home and there should be fruit from that in his children's life because how can you how can you bear up under the weight of responsibility and the inherent risks associated with the authority of an elder if you can't carry the the the, the weight elsewhere mm. and yeah it's too many of these guys you get the feeling like they're in Starbucks on their phone they're, all day they're not accountable they're to not the accountable enemy. they're just say, yeah and it's this, it's this other world. Like online becomes a, a world where all of the God-ordained relationships are just different. Now it's about followers and criticism. And it's like, would you say that to your pastor or in your church? And would there be accountability and repercussions for these things? And mm. and, and I felt that too. There's a, there's a, the, in the last couple of days, there's been these reformed eggheads, um, kind of this younger group of people. I don't know if they're pastors. They're like intellectual academic yeah. guys. And they have big websites and followings in certain circles. And um, 
just saying the most ridiculous things about, you know, how now that we know that the vaccine was never what it was said to be, that it's a giant lie, and this has come out publicly, and Pfizer has acknowledged that there was never any testing on transmission, that everything your politicians told you about protecting your neighbor by getting vaccinated is a lie. They're they're going on the defensive now to say, look, uh, we need to not be too hard on pastors. And uh, anyways, just juvenile evil things i i just had the thought i'm like this is the problem why do we listen to guys like you like whatever gave you a voice because you're smart like because you have you went to this school like we we need to trust men who have been in the trenches we need and we need to trust men who are accountable to other men yeah in like yeah that they see on a regular basis and and the academic guild isn't that so what you see these guild leaders do is they replace appropriate healthy relationships with like mentoring they love to talk about mentoring friends you know um co-workers that this is just guild talk these are not these are not healthy relationships they're not sufficient yeah relationships they're not local church relationships they're not local church they're not your family you're not multiple families it's not your children it's just it's something else and it's you run into a lot of dangers mm. so so that was a bit of a rabbit trail. But Thanks. That's why just, you're special. Yeah. The rabbit guy. Yeah. Let's follow that rabbit, man. Yeah. You know? Well, what we what we did want to talk about today is we wanted to do a post, um, a, a post fight, as they say in the MMA world, discussion about the drag story hour and the protest and the counter protest, and what I was thinking we could do as people who participate in it is we could talk about, you know, why this was something we wanted to involve ourselves in that is a highly politicized and contentious issue in some quarters. And then uh, maybe springboard off of that, talking about the actual protests and how it went to some theological categories as we think through um, the drag story hour, Mm -hmm. uh, which is inseparable from why we got involved. So, we asked Ben to come on because Ben really led the charge with another fine gentleman, Paul, in organizing um, some people to get together. Initially, I'll hand this over to you, but my thinking was we would be a somewhat obscure group of people standing there as a matter of principle to let people know we don't think it's okay to confuse children, to sexually um, groom children to prey on children, this type of thing, it turned into something different. So maybe Ben, like, why did you get involved with this? Yeah. Well, I think, um, do you like getting yelled at? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why? Yeah. I just, just love <laughs> stones. There was and, too much peace in your life. Yeah. And you're like, I need some, some hatred. Towards yeah. me. <laughs> no, it was, it was very much, it started as that, um, actually, uh, Paul Lawton had initially uh, gotten in touch with a number of us saying this was going on. And um, I think, and and in speaking to Paul as well, neither of us felt at the beginning where, you know, we were kind of, what should we do? What should this look like? Um, Is it worth doing? Um, It's it's scary how much... um, after you've committed to something that isn't comfortable, but you know needs to happen, the the justifications that kind of assail you um, to to kind of back out 
Yeah. I was talking to Paul and we both kind of agreed that as soon as it was kind of out there, we both kind of had cold feet. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's buyer's not a comfortable remorse. thing. Yeah, yeah. Buyer's remorse. But once it was good that we had kind of committed to that right off the bat. Yeah. So we couldn't really back out. Right. Yeah. But the guys who organized and aren't even here. Yeah. Um, Imagine. Yeah. But it is, that was kind of something that was, was revealed to me going along how, um, it's so easy for us in our sin to to justify not doing what we know we need to do. Yeah, and it seems like we saw we've seen a lot of that the past two years. Yeah, um, I think in churches and pastors and um, you know it's a danger for all of us, right? Yeah. Not doing something that is 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 clear. Yeah, and then justifying it all kinds of ways, even use biblical ways, right? Yeah. So. Anyways, uh, yeah, we, um, there, at any time, there's any number of issues going on that we could be involved in. Sure. And I think it becomes overwhelming at times. It's yeah. like, yeah. where do I start, right? Uh, what should I be doing? Where are my responsibilities? Where aren't they? Uh, and, and, you know, maybe I'm going outside my lane here. And that's, that was kind of part of the initial discussion as well, but... Uh, there's something particularly, uh, is there rain? That's rain. Yep. Oh, interesting. It's loud rain. Okay. Um, sinister about, um, isolating children in an echo chamber of ideology that they don't even have the the capacity to reason through. Yeah. Um, they're being bombarded in their schools, yeah. by their parents, online, in movies, Disney movies now, that LGB, uh, you know, plus all, all the other things, um, is a completely valid way to live. Yeah. Uh, it's normal. Stop pretending it's not normal. And that's that's kind of the insidious nature of it, all this. It's, it's not only that it's normal, but it's desirable. Yeah. Should yeah. be celebrated. Yeah, yeah, you should be celebrated. Yeah. And and in a world, I was thinking about this a while ago. In a generation that is so insecure and unmoored from everything, institution, family, um, it's all gone. The notion that you could be someone who could be you know celebrated as brave, uh, stunning, and brave, and yeah. um, you know progressive and all of these very desirable things and people don't have that affirmation from anything else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're this, getting uh, we're getting that info too from a lot of the detransitioners they're saying that's one of the reasons that they got yeah. into it is because oh you're telling me i can be popular and affirmed and all i have to do is this yes sure and we're very much in a in a an age where if you're not you don't have a certain number of followers on tiktok or twitter then who are you you're nothing right so this is this is a great way to kind of, you know, bolster your forces as far as the activists, right? Uh, you promise all of these things um, that lead yeah. to death in the end. So there's something very sinister about these things being targeted to children. And I had the thought that, uh, like you were saying, Al, if we can if we can be present as an antithesis to to this. Um, then we need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a few of us, even if no one pays attention, 
uh, on on principle, right? And this is what we're doing. We're acting on principle. It's not a reaction. We're yeah. not angry, hateful bigots. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, we thought it would just be a few of us kind of showing up. Um, I had prepared kind of a, a few things I wanted to say and just kind of set the, the, the parameters of what this protest was going to be. And anyways, we showed up and apparently, um, our, our incredibly mature mayor had tweeted that this was going to be going on. And you know, she did invited all of her uh, tolerant friends to show up and and support this. So we showed up, and it was it was a big thing. You know, there were uh, flags and people dressed up, and um, yeah, uh, I, I, it it didn't get violent, but it definitely was um, incendiary. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was there was shouting and and. Um, just, from one side. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I think it, it should have been clear to anyone driving by, um, you know, you have a certain segment of people dressed up like cows. witches and skeletons and cows and, you know, 17th century duchesses. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, they're screaming. And, and then there's just this other group of people who are literally just trying to have conversations and, and, and be present. Um, so yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the reason that we were there. We wanted to be there as a, as principal, uh, as a principled kind of objection to, to the normalization of destructive, uh, sexuality to, to children. Uh, and, and we weren't necessarily concerned that there would be ex sexually explicit, goings on in the drag story hour we certainly hope not um but drag culture for anyone who's remotely acquainted with it is is inherently sexual you can't you yeah. can't divorce i mean it's i had these bewildering conversations with people where they were trying to tell me this was just some benign innocuous kind of dress up that they've never been to a drag show then yeah and um you know there was there's one uh, drag queen actually on YouTube who basically uh, condemns all these parents who are taking their kids to drag story times and kids drag shows. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. do you realize what goes on on these things? Right. Mm -hmm. This is a sexual movement and not a healthy thing for kids. Mm -hmm. So just on the basis of, of concerned citizens, um, not wanting kids to be exposed to adult sexuality should be just common sense. Yeah. I mean, we're at a place where we don't know what sense is anymore. Um, but, but really the, the insidiousness of, of the normalization yeah. underneath it yeah. um, is, is really what we were concerned about. So there's, there's a couple things we could talk about. One, we, you wanted to go, I'm thinking Bonhoeffer, not to act is to act. And we need a recovery of the biblical category, the sins of omission. That is, there are things and responsibilities, duties, obligations that God calls us to that to not do them is sin. So a lot of Christians feel that if they take a passive approach to life, if they simply don't do particular bad things, then they can live righteously. But the the God's love God requires us in his word and in fact love requires 
um, us to actually do things and not just avoid things. It's active and not passive. And Jesus, you know, talks about this. You you should have done the weightier things in the law, right? And um, there's a particular concern that Jesus has for children as vulnerable, such that to lead them into sin, if you lead the little ones into sin, you should tie a millstone around your neck because it'll be better for you to have that happen because God does give a greater responsibility and therefore a greater judgment on those who are responsible for children. And he he severely condemns the abuse of children at the hands of those who ought to care for them. Um, so there is something particularly insidious about what goes on at Drag Story Hour. It's also interesting and telling that the drag, drag, this whole sexual agenda relies not on persuasion through reason, but coercion and conditioning. So, and those are fundamentally different approaches to the truth and how you, how someone receives the truth and comes to know the truth. So, um, the truth is, you you can just share it with people and tell it. It was it Spurgeon who said the truth is like a lion. You don't, you know, you just set it loose, kind of thing. But the whole drag agenda, because it's a giant lie, can't actually be simply released to stand on its own. It can't be scrutinized with reason. It can't be scrutinized with science. It can't be scrutinized with um, compassion and ethics and testimonies of people. It can't face scrutiny. So it has to be rely on coercion. So it was telling that at this event, we had moved to one end of the block. We were we weren't standing in front of the doors. Like we were clearly taking a um, non-combative uh, or or confrontational, I should say, approach to this. And very clearly, just trying to just like look. We have something to say. We're just going to say it here peacefully. They literally stood in Ben's face an inch from his face and yelled at him while he was trying to talk and explained while we're there. And the one clown was actually saying like, why are you here? Why are you here? While he's trying to explain it and telling them this, the whole time they would stand, they would send multiple people with signs to stand in front of our signs. Like it was the most intolerant, bigoted environment I've ever been a part of. It was the crazy thing. And and all of this is because they can't tolerate truth. They can't actually listen to what someone says. And if we are so vile and backwards and um, irrational as their actions towards us suggest they think, then it should be easy to demonstrate through reason. You should easily be able to show the moral and intellectual bankruptcy of our views. But But the fact that they can't is telling. You're assuming that they believe in truth, though, and they don't. Yeah. They they believe in power. Yeah. And they don't believe dialogue is something that can actually happen. So that's why you just need to shout down the opposition until they go away, and then you win. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the arguments. So... When I was there and, and 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 following this, I thought that the drag story hour is really a synthesis of a unbelieving progressive worldview. It is a coming together of, you know, in a sense, all of their beliefs. It is their sacrament, their religious ritual. It is the demonstration of what they believe about so many things. And I thought that maybe we could unpack that a little bit further. The umbrella that I think we need to think through all of unbelief um, 
is 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 idolatry and Romans 1 is very clear that uh, the the heart of of human idolatry the root of it is an inversion of the creature and the created which is to say the creature does not want to be a creature the creature wants to be the creator which is to okay well what is that well the creature ascribes to him or herself qualities and attributes which can only be ascribed to god and um, denies, Paul says, and because of that, we fail to give thanks or honor God as God. If God didn't create us, if God didn't sustain us, if God doesn't impose these, you know, limits and, and definitions to the world, if we do that, then we don't need to honor him for that, and we don't need to give thanks. We can actually give thanks to ourselves, and that's why that's why certain religions literally carve images and statues in our own image. What's functionally happening instead of looking at creation and raising our eyes to the heavens, as it were, to give thanks to the creator, we put a mirror in front of ourselves and we carve images and make statues where we worship and thank us for these things. The, the whole drag thing and trans thing, and just LGBTQ and all sexual perversion is a, is a way of the creature trying to say, I am not constrained by the limits of my creatureliness, and I, in fact, possess godlike qualities. One of those is um, the... Uh, it, it, it's a it's a complete rejection of reality, but it's the ability to create the truth. So, the progressives' view of language is very different, and a lot of people miss this. The progressives' view of language is that their words create reality. So, this is why they can't tolerate other words, because they view language this way. Um, They think that if they say love over and over and over, it makes them loving. And if they think they say hate and bigot to someone else, it makes them a hateful bigot. What this leads to is a culture of virtue signaling. And I was just listening to Peterson recently, and he was saying virtue signaling is essentially a kind of moral camouflage where you, it's like dressing up, you know, it's like you wear a nice suit or a nice gown to go to a ball, even though you're a peasant, like you don't, you don't deserve to be there on your merits or class or status, but you can fake it till you make it, as it were. Well, virtue signaling is the same kind of thing. It's If I adopt the language, it makes me this kind of person. And so, um, the progressive worldview is just nothing but an endless virtue signal. It's saying that I am that love, compassion, justice, truth, reconciliation. They commandeer these words, and they take them to themselves. They appropriate them to themselves. As if saying those things makes them those things. Uh, But we know that that's, in the Bible, that's just called hypocrisy. To say that you're one thing and be another thing is the root of so much human evil. Yeah. And God has so designed the world that it's it's very resilient. Uh, Yeah. It will actually reject your attempts to impose reality on it. And so now you're having um, a number of these... Uh, kids who've transitioned um, coming out in their 20s and 30s saying it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, I still feel lost and hopeless and yeah. now I don't even have a gender. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm worse than ever. Yeah. Right? Uh, and this is what happens when you, this is the destruction 
and the ruin that happens yeah. when you when you resist the reality God has made, and yeah. uh, when we reject the Word that actually leads to life and flourishing, and mm-hmm. it's just uh, there's a way mm-hmm. that seems right to a man, in the end it leads to death, and that what that is what's being. Um, Uncovered yes. time and time again, and the, and the more insane our attempts to resist reality, well, the more the, suffering that's going to result. Th- that's what the transitioning is. The transitioning is 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 man's rage against reality. Yeah. It's like I will chop off yeah. my body parts to ira- in spite and resentment, rather than acknowledge that I am who you've made me. It's like no, I will remake myself. It's a Frankenstein, mm-hmm. right? And it's like. But all these detransitioners know, it's like, oh, I chopped off my genitals. I chopped off my breasts. It's like, oh, I'm still whatever gender. My DNA is the same. It's like, oh, I can't be God. And then you see the true compassion of these psychopaths when they totally ignore these stories. It's like, I thought we were about the children. And this is is the real rotten thing of it. And um, what? What's the guy who just uncovered that that Matt clinic? Walsh. Matt Walsh. Yeah. Um, and I and actually recording these videos of, you know, the movement is is encased in these pious kind of revolutionary um, terms, right? Yeah. It says we're going to adopt you into our family, and you are part of a loving community. No. It's like it's you see lie. these these medical people getting up there saying how much money. Yeah, they're going to make oh, off exactly. of off of these transition shirts and and the constant upkeep appointments. Yeah, the lifetime of of care. Money, money, receive. money. It's, these people are not for you. No. I just I just want to like communicate to to people who are being tempted by the trans lifestyle. It's like they are gonna they want you on their side because it benefits their ideology and yeah. their uh, you know their power consolidation they will throw you out as soon as you're there the moment you uh, the moment you realize that uh, you can't actually do what they're claiming you can do yeah yeah uh, you're you're useless to them right at that point yeah and there's a there's this total inversion of reality it was it was i would say hilarious if it wasn't so insidious that the mob was so full of hate and intolerance, like they, like literal intolerance, like we need to cover your words and shout over you in air horns. We cannot tolerate you saying anything, mm-hmm. um, and bigotry, and like they would just judge you if you say like you know don't hurt children. They would hate you. Now, that's a definition of a bigot, right? Irrational judgment against people, and they actually think they're the love brigade. Because they say love, love. But if anyone was just looking, they and they didn't know anything about anything, they'd be like, why are those people so full of vile and hatred and intolerance and bigots? But it's like, if they just say the magic words, they're not that. And uh, one other observation I wanted to make is, so there's the psychos who lead this thing, the true believers, and they're perverts and creeps and uh, enablers, but then there and then there are the self righteous, um, useful idiots who follow along, and they just like the fact that you don't have to actually be righteous; you can pretend that you are. So they like to put up, you know, whatever the new thing is: Black Lives Matter, trans women are women, Ukraine. like whatever the new thing. They just do it, um, and they're just Pharisees following along. But then there actually are, and these are the people I feel 
most bad for the sincere, well-meaning people who I talk to one who are told insidious things like this. Their child comes out as says they're gay. Which one? Does a seven-year-old know they're gay? Does a seven-year-old yeah. know anything yeah, about where did he get anything? That? Like, I know someone whose son is in public school, and he said his son is one of one or two in a class of 30 who's straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like as a grade five yeah. or six. It's like there's, there's no such thing as... Like, that's just social conditioning. Yeah. So then you have a, a, a school system that's indoctrinating and sexually conditioning and confusing children and the social media and the weird things kids watch. So they think they're gay. But then they're told that if you don't affirm who I am, you hate me. And if you, if you don't let me do anything that I want, it's violence, it's violence against me. And then they're told that their identity is wrapped up in their sexuality such that to deny their sexuality, which, by the way, for most trans people, actually gender dysphoria turns out to be homosexuality later on. Like most people grow out of this thing, which very few people actually have. Um, but then they're actually told that to deny me the expression of my sexuality is actually to do violence against me. And it's to... It's to not affirm who I am. Mm -hmm. But so then, and this lady even said to me, you know, and, and I heard from this lady who did, she transitioned in the States, the video said, the doctors sit you down, these literally Nazi psychopaths, and they say, well, would you like a dead daughter or a living son? Yeah. yeah. So then they actually tell you that for you to not mutilate your child is they have to kill themselves. The only alternative to mutilation is suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't want them to kill themselves, you have to let us mutilate them. And people who are sincerely compassionate, but led astray by lies and trusting in teachers and doctors, supposedly professionals, are stuck in a real bind. Like they've never dealt with this. They haven't thought about this. And they feel as though they need to be supportive. And I talked to a lady like this and she was in tears. And I realized, you know, this woman has been, there is this crushing, hateful burden of death that has been placed upon her. And um, she just needs to hear the truth and, and to find life in Christ and freedom from these lies. But it's yeah. so insidious. And this is, this is really wanted, what I wanted to communicate. I never actually got around to being able to, to say it, but um this this whole narrative of of the presence of our protest being a negative enervating presence right you're mm -hmm. here because you hate us you're mm -hmm. here because you don't want us to thrive mm -hmm. and flourish in in our on our realized gender right and it's like no we're actually uh want to be here to tell you the the truth and and the path of life and how damaging and destructing destructive lies are right yeah. um but again because it's perceived as uh an attack on their identity you there's they can't allow they can't allow that yeah right? but that's that's fundamentally want uh, to to recover to recover that false accusation that we are there because we hate them yeah it's like no we reject if, if actually if we hated you we would have stayed home because yeah. it wasn't comfortable for any of us no. to be there. It's no. because we actually care about you and what this ideology is going to do to you and to your kids that we yeah. showed up, right? Yeah. And I think 
moving forward as Christians, that is what we need to, that is love. That is love expressed, right? Love, again, isn't, isn't expressed in a negative value, mm. not doing anything, just not, not hurting, but actually caring enough to show up and be insulted and falsely accused and, and whatever we have to, yeah, right? Because that's, that is what Christ did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we should expect, if we are going to follow him, to bear up under that same accusation yeah. for actually f- because we love our neighbor. So we, another thing we see in Christians' unwillingness or <clears throat> hesitancy to engage on these matters, we're seeing it is the fruit of this compartmentalization of their faith, which we've talked about, uh, you know, over and over on the podcast. Um, but you know, as if the Christian gospel is a spiritual thing, and then the rest of life is just a worldly thing, not to be our concern. We're just passing through whatever, but. Actually, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and um, all of creation exists for the glory of God and was created um, for his honor and for his fame. And everyone, whether they're a Christian or not, is created in his image. And there are laws to nature, as it were, that, as you said, to push against um, doesn't actually work. And so, when we have this privatization of the Christian faith, it's almost like what that leads to is as if God is not involved in the world, like as if it's not really his world, it's not a certain way. But back to the proverb you read, why does rejecting wisdom lead to death? Well, wisdom is the capacity to see the world as it truly is and to respond appropriately. That is what wisdom is. So, if you can't see reality, if you can't see the way the world is, and if you can't act in accordance with that, that will lead to death. Yeah. Obviously, that it begins by acknowledging God, the Creator, and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah. our Savior. But And this is baked into the cake, right? God didn't make it so you could live however you want and get to the same ends. Yeah. yeah. Like you can only have life if you do it my yes. way. Yes. Yeah. If you don't do it my way, it only leads to death. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also why these people who claim they don't believe in truth uh, will still say that they're on the side of love and decency and all that. Like, well, who cares about any of that stuff? Yeah. Like, why, why do you guys care about love? Yeah. Oh, it's because it's baked into it. Yeah. It's, it's, God's put that into you as a, yeah. as an image bearer that you, that you know that that's a good thing to pursue. Yeah. You're pursuing it in complete ignorance, uh, but, it, but you're pursuing it nonetheless. And Christians need to realize this is a language game. And a lot of Christians are afraid to engage because language is weaponized against yeah. them. So they say they're loving and righteous and compassionate. You go, oh, but I want to be compassionate. And therefore they get sucked in. It's like, no. you do realize that so much of the world's evil has been committed under righteous language and claims, right? Yeah. So it's like, we need to just, we don't receive any claims on their own. We test them. It's like, oh, well, what is righteousness? What is compassion? And what is love? Yeah, we have to ask them how you define that. Who, yeah. Who gets to define that? Yeah. And then and then we say whether or not, you know. And you can just look at the fruit. Yeah. I mean, all these claims that the LGBT plus community is this loving, accepting place. You guys are eating each other from the inside. Oh yeah. Right. You just watch these people go at each other. Yeah. And if you don't emphasize their particular progressivism, the way they want you to emphasize it, 
they'll turn on you. It's mm-hmm. anything but. Yeah. I mean, just the, the the Bible is is very clear about that. You, you you reap what you sow, and you can examine you can examine the roots of something by just looking at the fruit that it produces. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously, I mean, the, the solution to all of this isn't a, a recovery of traditional values no. in themselves. It's actually just full-on repentance and faith yep. in the Lord Jesus Christ and living under His Word and His rule. Yep. And nothing short of that is going to reverse this. And, and prayer for the Spirit to open the eyes. Because yeah. what we're dealing yeah. with is is supernatural demonic. Denoma- yeah, demonic, demonic blindness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to... To, to stand there and say that if I think hard enough, I can be the opposite gender yeah. is about as blind as you can as you can find, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of more basic antithesis you can find than male and female, yeah, and yet they're willing to deny that. Yeah. It's the death of reason, the death of truth, the yeah. death of reality. Yeah. And you just wait till that comes into the courts, which it already has no, started already to, there, yeah. when it's like, I didn't commit that crime. I wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I thought you were. Yeah. I felt you were. It's like uh, my truth. You know what I mean? Like this is dangerous language. Mm. And- yeah. I didn't see, I didn't watch too much of it, but I guess there was some footage from that, the guy that ran through the Christmas market last year. In right. W- Washega or Washiga. You know that guy? No. Uh, no. He killed like 13 people. It oh, didn't, yes. It didn't yes, make the I news because he was a black guy and he wanted to run over white people. So it didn't, yeah. didn't make the news, but he killed he was just 13 collecting people. his reparations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he was in court and uh, refused to be acknowledged as himself, but just basically said, I refuse to be acknowledged as that name. It's like, but that's your name. No, I refuse to be acknowledged yeah. by that name. Just throw okay, out what, all courts everywhere. Since okay, so what? where do we go from here? There like, is no justice. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, so I just think maybe some practical things moving forward. Um, we need to speak about these things according on our terms, according to scripture, not their terms. Part of this language game is they determine the limits of our disagreement. So like, we can say we we don't want our kids there, but we can't say you're child groomers. We yeah. can't say that you're sexualizing children. We can't say things, the truth about the um, unethical behavior, the abdication of the abuse of authority, these types of things. Mm. And Christians just need to stop being afraid yeah. of people getting angry at them and just say what this is. Yeah. Like, this is abuse. It is grooming. It's sexualizing yeah. children. It's criminal behavior. If you did this anywhere else, it'd be criminal yeah. behavior, like these types of things. Yeah, stop accepting the very narrow parameters of what they will allow you to say. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then you, you you only be left with, what are you left with, right? Yeah. After yeah. they've shanghaied all the, the compassionate yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something a couple minutes back about not wanting to return to traditional values. And I think this is what we're experiencing really exposes the weakness of, you know, the classic conservatism, right? That we all kind of pine for going back to the days when we just didn't have to think about this stuff. The fruit without the root. Yeah. We can't like the regular conservatism, like ungodly secular conservatism has no answers for this. No. And I think we, we need to do that. We need to argue from a biblical conservatism uh, using biblical terms, not accepting their terms, and just just tell the truth. Yeah. There's, there's no other way out of this. Yeah. And, and we can be encouraged. We were talking about this a few weeks ago, that like where the power, where the word is, where the spirit is, we can expect 
transformation yeah, of course. and conversion. We don't go yeah. in there with our strategy hoping it'll be better than their strategy. It's mm-hmm. like, actually, the, the power of God is underneath uh, the ministry of his yeah. word, and we can always expect fruit. Yeah, part of why they trailed off at the end is they realized we weren't there to play their games. They rely on power and intimidation and coercion and conditioning. But once they realized that we weren't there to play that game, that we weren't going to fight back according to those rules, it kind of just was anticlimactic for yeah, them, I think. And then we just end up, we just talk to people and we had several great conversations, mm-hmm. changed some people's minds, but at least said things to people that they've never heard before. And it's like, because we think the truth has power. We think the spirit working through the word and the truth actually does things. And and the lie is that it doesn't. See, this is what they want us to think. If we don't have the numbers, if we don't have the money, if we don't have the methods of fear and intimidation, then what's the point? But it's like, it actually is a value, even if Ben went by himself to hold up a sign to say, like, don't groom children, even if everyone yelled at him. There, do you believe that that is of eternal value to, to tell the truth? Because the truth is of eternal value. Do we believe that? And tradition, like, unbelieving conservatives don't believe that, which is why it's just one capitulation after another, after another, after another. They're embarrassed, they're ashamed, and they're afraid. Yeah. But no, we believe yeah. that God runs this joint. Yeah, it seems like all they have is like stats, you know? Yeah. They're, they're at least, their eyes are open enough to see the the fruit, the rotten fruit of this yeah. movement. And so they try and convince people with, you know, that that type of thing rather yeah. than, you know, being yeah. able to confront You're it with the truth. You're still trying to build in midair though. Yeah. You have nothing underneath it. Exactly. So we're going to... If they do this again, we're we're going to be there. We're going to talk about, we can anticipate this kind of backlash and maybe how we can respond peacefully and more effectively. Um, but yeah, we're Christian men and we had Christian women praying for us, which is amazing at a house. And Christians need to step up and to love, like, if, I, I love other people who said, love your neighbor by wearing a face diaper. Don't think you should go out and say, stop mutilating kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we should actually love our neighbor, actually seek their good, actually rescue those who are on the path to destruction. Mm. And at this point in our culture, in our time, I mean, this is this is where the fight is. Mm. And so be praying and uh, that God would open up a door for that. And, and if there's anyone listening and this kind of thing is happening in your own communities, yeah. like take courage. You're, yeah. you're not alone. There's other people resisting this. Yeah. And... Uh, Again, it's it, I I appreciate what you're saying. It's not about the results. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we always want to see we did this and this happened. They shut mm-hmm. down the story hour. Mm-hmm. This person got saved. It's like mm-hmm. resistance. Christian resistance in the past has often started small and slow. Yes, but because we uh, can be confident in the power of truth, mm-hmm. we can be extraordinarily sustained and do this for as many years as it takes. Look at William Wilberforce against slavery. Many years pushing against that. So we don't, yeah, don't don't be concerned if the results aren't forthcoming and, and uh, just be, I mean, obedience is a reward in itself, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Wilberforce should have spent so much time worrying about the public square. I mean, he, just, yeah. he should have just spent more time praying the gospel out there, you know? Yeah. That was kind of a waste of his life, spending his whole life fighting against <laughs> yeah. something like that. I'm sure that's what the slaves thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we appreciate it, but don't you think you could have spent your time better? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we do, we got a book review? Do you got anything to review? Um, I've been going again through a chapter on national, uh, the biblical theology of nations in Joe Boot's book, The Ruler of Kings. Great. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Great book. And this idea of nations and their validity and how Christians should think about their nation and their duty towards their nation. Um, and the, uh, uh, that the, 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 all nations are f- built on religious foundations, even if they say that they're secularists, they're, they have a religion. Um, and so we should desire that our, our nation's religion is Christianity. We should desire that it is governed by the truth and justice and the authority of God's word and not the, you know, the, whatever is popular at the moment and whatever people are in power and this type of thing. But yeah, working through parts of Ruler of Kings again, a phenomenal book, timely book. It, it's con- it's concise. So I forget how many pages it is. It's under 150. No, like, it's two and two. Is it? 40 or something like that. Oh, okay. But it's, it's not huge. It's not a big book. No. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been working through. And, and again, finding so much encouragement, edification there. What about you? You've been reading anything, Jerry? I am currently reading uh, a book by A.W. Pink on the attributes of God. Oh, yeah. Which is fantastic. Uh, it's something we're, we're going through for our men's uh, study. Nice. At the chapel. And it is, like each each chapter, each attribute is about five pages long. Right. It's so uh, bite-sized, but so deep. Like, I, I don't know how you can say so much in so few words. But this, like, he's got such a way of doing that, and it's been uh, really edifying. Nice. Really it's a classic. Edifying. Yeah, it is. What about you, Ben? Have you been reading anything? Uh, I'm reading a few things. The latest one I picked up, I always forget the title. It's by Peter Jones. It's called The Other Worldview Exposing Christianity's Greatest Threat. Huh. And he's, uh, well, for some years, his kind of main platform is to respond to kind of the resurgence of of neo-paganism. Um, kind He's of the one-ism or two-ism That's guy? That's the one-ism or two-ism guy, yeah. Okay, I haven't read any of very, very helpful paradigm. He kind of starts at Romans 1. Um, there, there are two, uh, there are only two beliefs in the world. There is the belief that we are all somehow divine. We need to realize the divine within us, uh, pantheism. And uh, the... Uh, transcendent worldview, which affirms that there is a creator God, right, and above and outside of we creation. we must conform to His reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so he traces kind of how this has been growing in the West, uh, certainly since the '60s, with the kind of um, initiating of the kind of a lot of the Eastern religions coming in, um, and kind of. Yeah, just the unmooring of the West from its kind of classic um, biblicism. Really. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Uh, kind of touches on what we were talking about. When you were talking earlier about people speaking their own reality, uh, that's yeah, very the divine. The, yeah. And uh, it made me think of the whole word of faith movement and that kind of Oprah Christianity, like Deepak Chopra and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's all kind of based on the same thing. Yeah, it is. I feel like Drag Story Hour maybe to summarize this, it really is a, is a, a visible display of the regressive nature 
of unbelief and progressivism. It's like the giant lie that we're morally improving, that as man throws off the shackles right. of, of When we rely Christian on religion, our own reason. Yeah, it's like yeah. we go to a good place. It's like you literally mutilate children. Yeah. And you don't believe in science and you don't believe in reality or truth. Like we've descended to the most yeah. base, primitive, um, not no reason to they're like what uh, creatures of, of impulse. And yeah. what does Paul say there? They're, um, he uses a phrase about how their instinct, they rely on their instincts and yeah, not their reason. Man. Like that's where we are. Yeah, right. It's literally, it's so almost word for word. Uh, what is going, what we're seeing play out now um, in the kind of the last days of Rome. Yeah, uh, right. Before it's collapsed. Right. The kind of the the, the totalizing of, of sex right. over all culture, all ages, kind of indulgence and lavishness uh, combined with like a prevailing nihilism as right. well. It's, it's the same thing. We're not going up. No. I mean, if you're a post-millennial, we are. <laughs> Thumbs up to that. I don't know what that looks like, but uh, I think that's the direction we're going in. Anywho, well, uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah. What do we do? We have anything to promote? Well, I mean, our unofficial official sponsor is Quartha Classical Christian School. When does that become the official sponsor? It it is. You know what? That is our official sponsor. As soon as they start paying us, then it's the official. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we uh, we're all involved at KCCS. We lend our many talents and minute treasures to the cause, and it's been an amazing year. I have to say, I'm there a lot. We do office space um, there now as a church, and just a environment of joy and wonder. And you see yeah. the fruit of loving children as those created in his image and putting the gospel before them constantly. And yep. um, children. Been, yeah. Been thrive. great to see more people lend their time as well. And we've got a couple young, uh, or we've got a young man at Westmount who's yeah. been helping out at the school uh, with some of the teaching and so helpful seeing, seeing people get raised up to, to yeah. do the work of ministry has been yeah. great. And this is one of the most practical ways we can resist this culture of death and mm-hmm. lies is actually raising up a generation of children that will stand against them. Like we're, I'm 36, you know, at, at this point I'm still going to engage. I'm going to be involved as part of my duty as a man, apart from a mass revival, we're going to get worse before we get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we need to train up children who will, you know, take the shot as it were to bring down the dragon. And you, you can't, if Christians think they can hide their kids away and pretend this isn't real and keep them in public school and just meet with your teacher a lot and connect with other public schoolers, it's like you're living a joke. You're living an illusion. Um, you need to intentionally, we need, we need to commit to the next 15 years of our lives, 20 years of pouring everything we have to give our children the tools they need and to pray that by God's grace, they develop the character they need to live in this chaotic world for Christ. Great. And that's what we're hoping to do with KCCS. Yeah. So, uh, a couple other things actually too. Um, this past Tuesday, we had our second Sacred mm. Harp singing there you go. at uh, Westmount. So um, a lot of people have been kind of turned on to this style of singing that's been going around on YouTube. Every second Tuesday of the month at Westmount, we're going to be doing these. Come one, come all. Uh, we do a little lesson at the beginning. 
But uh, the goal is to to breed Christians who love to sing, yeah, uh, loudly and yeah. Uh, it's not them. a. I I worry that there is um um a th- a, th- a thought out there that this is like something that women do. They get together no. and sing. That is not biblical, no. and you need to get rid of that paradigm. Mm-hmm. It's something that we need to be recovering as a church, singing. Uh, just great songs yeah. and singing not, together. Not as a performance. Nope. Uh, but just as a way to, to worship God together. Yep. And and to do it well. So Absolutely. it helps with that. Uh, on a, uh, One more thing. Every uh, first and third Tuesday of the month, Westmount's hosting a like an outreach night. I don't know oh, if we nice. told you guys about this. I didn't know that. So it's going to be kind of like an Ask Us Anything forum. Cool. Where... Uh, if if you have friends or relatives who have questions about Christianity or people you've been witnessing to, uh, we're going to be doing it not at the chapel. It's at uh, the home of a couple of the fellows there just down the road. And so I'll put a link to the webpage that describes what we do. But it's a great forum to just get people out to ask questions. Uh, they can ask anything and we'll do our best to provide answers. And That's great. great. Yeah. So pray for that. Yeah. Well, it's been great. And uh, thanks again to our... Delta host Ben for joining us. How much lower can you go after Delta, or is that kind of the bottom of the barrel? No, that's only. Is like, there a Zeta host? No, no. I Omega host, I guess, would be the last one. That's true. That yeah. one sounds pretty awesome, but a little rusty in my Greek alphabet. Yeah. We'll leave you with this: May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We'll see you next time. Amen.